it was supposed to be like these rotating half bowls thing that could capture like the sun in Arizona. But that yeah. that that dick that new dick Dan, Vic didn't that new wow I can't even speak new the dick new Van dick Dan well, I still can't do it Ooh, this is a the tough new one. Dick Van Dyke show that's a tough <laughs> thing to say the new Dick Van Dyke show I say it fast uh, Dick Van Dyke no the, the new, new Dick, dick Van, Van Dyke show uh, new Dick Van Dyke practice you probably have written down or something welcome back to Asinine Radio a weekly podcast where we talk about music and well that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different band or artist and we break down their record, whatever record we're doing, and we find out all the secrets. We do all the research we could possibly do, and we let you all know. We, we cliff note it for you all because yeah. who has time to read all this stuff outside of us? Nobody. So um, thank you all for listening to the podcast. My name is Tyler. Way out there, hundreds of miles away, way out there, neither there, is Jeff. Well, he's actually in Arizona, but that's fine. Oh. Um, I can only say that because we're doing an Arizona band, a Phoenix band, and you oh, live out there. All right, so all right, all right. that's the only reason why I did that. So uh, while you're listening, go to Apple Podcasts, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. If you haven't already, please go do that. Give us five stars. That means the, the most to us. Interact with us. Reach out to us on social media at Asinine Radio. We have a Discord server. If you want to join that, let us know. We'll send you the link. We also have a phone number you can call or text. Uh, we'll probably play it if you have a voicemail, and we'll probably we might make fun of you. I don't know. Give us some recommendations on what you want to hear. We might listen to you. I don't know. Uh, our phone number is five zero three eight nine three five three zero seven. So get into <laughs> that, and uh, that's all. That's all I got for the intro. So, what are we doing? To, what are we doing today, Jeff? Uh, we're doing JFA Valley of the Yakes. JFA, or Jody Foster's Army, formed in 1981 in Phoenix, Arizona by Brian Brannon on vocals, Don Redondo Pendleton on guitar, Michael Cornelius on bass, and Mike Bam Bam Zversbold on drums. I mispronounced that. They currently have five full-length records, two EPs, two live records, and a lot of comps. Uh, that one we're doing today is Valley of the Yakes. It's the band's first record, and it came out in 1990, or 1983. Woo! Reading's hard. Uh, it features the original lineup of Brian, Don, Michael, and Mike, and it remains one of the more important albums to come out of the skate punk scene. Now, Jeff, what are what's your um, what's your origin story? 
with uh, with the JFAs. What do you got? So the first time I ever heard of JFA was through Sublime, the <laughs> the song Eben on on Forty Ounces, mm-hmm. and uh, like I knew who JFA was, but I never listened to JFA until we started collecting records, and then yeah. really until I started until I moved out here. And I realized that uh, that JFA is a big deal out here in Arizona and the Phoenix area, and there's not a lot of there's not a as rich of a history in music in culture in Arizona as there was in Southern California where we grew up in, and so Mm -hmm. you kind of take that for granted. So when you come out to an area like this, whereas the Phoenix area was was more of a stopping point to LA for a lot of musicians and there are a lot of great bands that have come out of this area, but compared to Southern California, I mean, it doesn't even hold a candle to what has come out of Southern California, but that's not all. That's also not entirely fair either. So that's, that's why I've never really listened to JFA until, until recently, until the past like year, year and a half. And it was only because going out, to a lot of the bars and I constantly see like like the Yucca Tap Room. They have a lot of these old punk posters up where it is, you know, it is like like uh DRI or like RKL, JFA, Black Flag, all these posters up, but I kept seeing JFA everywhere. And I recognized the name, I was thinking in my mind, I recognized the name <laughs> from place to think. the Sublime song. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. that might be a cool place to start. So let's let's start with JFA. And just going on to Spotify, they're 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 just in order. Their top song is is a cover, and it just so happened to be a fucking surf cover. And I I really like surf music, and so hearing a surf cover by a punk band, I was I was hooked. I was hooked, and just knowing that they're like a skate punk band, I think is awesome. Knowing how many people like them, but more in a. Uh, like an underground sense, like you don't see mm. a lot of JFA T-shirts as much as you no. do like or Jimmy World out here. or anything. Yeah, it, it's or like it's, in the punk scene, like you don't see a lot of JFA patches on like the punk mm. kids wearing it. No, I think I think that's regional, and I think they just like their first show as JFA was opening for Black Flag. So fuck, can you imagine? <laughs> like they were already doing shows prior to that under a different name. The Breakers was their name before JFA. Yeah, but there's already a band in L.A. called The Breakers. Go figure. So they changed to JFA because the bass player had written a song called J- Jody Foster's Army specifically, and they had cut like like pieces of a camouflage T-shirt and like duct taped them to their steel-toed boots, and so they already had a following of people that they had nicknamed the Jody Foster's Army. And so they said, okay, mm-hmm. well, there's already abandoning the breakers. Let's call ourselves JFA. So when JFA first started out, their first show was opening for Black Flag. And like this one, Dez was, was the lead singer in, in Black Flag. So Oh, so it was that early on. It was early, early on. Yeah. So yeah, I I I I think this band is is on its own, I think this band is phenomenal. I think they're really, really, really fucking good. And for a bunch of shithead sixteen year olds, they're way too good at their instruments. <laughs> And I didn't even realize that until this week. And it fucking irritates me at how good they are at playing their fucking instruments. But that's my origin story with JFA. All right. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So uh, my origin story was, honestly, it was through you. I never, I don't, I don't remember ever seeing JFA anywhere. I mean, 
you know, I, I don't know. I thought I knew, I knew more about punk, but I just, maybe just cause the name never really stood out. I just never, never noticed. Never we're noticed spoiled. Them. We were spoiled in Southern yeah, California. True. It's true. Especially Orange County, you know, yeah. it's like, it had such like a rich scene. So, I mean, and LA obviously, obviously too, but I don't know. Yeah. Just, I, I never, I never really knew anything about JFA and then, you moving out to Arizona and kind of discovering them kind of randomly through like what you said, like seeing their name on bar in at the bars and all that shit. So then you brought, you brought the day Walt Disney died to the pod. That was the first time I'd ever heard their music. And I thought it was so rad. It was just like, cause at the, at the time, this is like six months ago, I was really getting back into hardcore punk, you know, just a black flag, gorilla biscuits and, and shit like that. Like eighties punk, hardcore and so, yeah, this is just like a good, a good like transition back into that. And then I just kind of forgot about them. And then I ran across a couple of their records. Like I said, I got the bootleg of Valley of the Yakes because their records are expensive. And then I got an actual cop, a real copy of Untitled from Black Hole like a month and a half ago, maybe. And yeah, and ever since then, man, I've just been listening to, especially Untitled, so damn much. I, I think that record is just, both records are fantastic but yeah that, that's that's my origin it's very fucking recent i'm 34 years old and just now getting into this fucking hardcore band but i don't know better late than never i guess should that be on the no-no list better late than never because that's kind of annoying but no because that's an actual thing that that is is uh is relevant <laughs> yeah okay like, like, like just because you're late to the party like for instance brian from jfa he uh he joined the military at thirty-five yeah, years old, yeah, he was a he was a Navy Reserve, I think. If I'm not yeah, mistaken. and he he climbed yeah. the ranks to something very very high, but he didn't join until he was like thirty-five. It was after September 11th happened, and that's mm-hmm. when he joined. And for a punker to to want to like go fight for his country after some huge in, like the hugest hugest is that a word hugest? No, that's not a word. <laughs> I'm pretty sure hugest is a word. <laughs> you could just say the biggest. <laughs> I'm gonna stick with hugest. That works too. One hugest, of the okay. hugest things that have ever happened to America for like a punker to go out and, and, and join the, you know, join the reserves is that's, that's intense. It's, but yeah. Yeah. It's very it was, surprising, especially somebody at 35, 35 being able to, to get into it. You know, it's, I mean, that's so again, wild. The, the <laughs> better late than never thing that rings true. It, it is a cliche thing to say, but there's a lot, there's the, it, it rings true. It's fine. We can say mm-hmm. that that shouldn't go on the no, no list. Okay. okay. That's fair. Okay. Fine. You talked yeah. me out. You talked me out of adding it to the no yeah. list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that. That's where I'm at with JFA. I'm digging it. I'm really digging it. And then this week, reading more about the the scene, the skate scene, which I'm obviously we're gonna get really into because they're so ingrained in within that scene. So, uh, so yeah, that that should be that should be good stuff. Um, so then, let, what 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 are your initial thoughts on this record? And then, do you have any stinger stingers? Stingers. Any stinkers? <laughs> Any stinkers? And then what is your biggest banger? Um, I have no stinkers. My initial thoughts on this record is this is this is really cool. This is um, I don't I don't listen to a ton of like the hardcore punk music because I think a lot of it is very very it's very similar. It, it loses mm-hmm. itself in its uh, I don't know in its repetition. It's the same shit three three chord songs over and over and over. And this album's kind of funny because they make fun of preppies a lot, and and 
and call it like the preppies clones of themselves. And then, but it's it's also kind of funny because like punkers are, are notorious for being clones of other punkers. And exactly. So that I thought that was that was kind of a little bit a little bit tongue in cheek because they are a little different because they skated a lot. And the band yeah. formed based off of like skate culture, not music culture. Who also skated? These guys were skaters first, musicians second, and that's yeah. that's like that's how Brian was brought into the band. Was they needed a singer, and one of the guys was like, "Oh, I skate with this dude a lot. He likes music. I think he can sing." And they brought him <laughs> in, and and he started screaming, and they're like, "Oh, fuck yeah, you're a really good singer. So let's do it." But first impressions on this album was. The surf song I heard, I heard "Walk Don't Run," which is the Ventures cover. And I said, "Okay, this mm-hmm. is really badass." And I listened to the album; it's like twenty minutes long, not a long album. Twenty and minutes, yeah. There's another oh, surf cover on this, and that other surf cover is something that I—that's I, a song I've never heard until we started collecting. But it's now my favorite surf song because it is absolutely perfect. It's unbelievable, Baja by the Astronauts. They also covered that, that song. I, I couldn't. I, I didn't really. I couldn't figure out who did. Who that was? Who did the original song? Yeah, it's the astronauts, and I just, okay. uh, I just, I've heard that song before, but it's not a popular surf song, and mm-hmm. so, especially in Southern California, like we're so dominated by like the Beach Boys, it's just fucking yeah. domination, and so these 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 kind of like lesser known surf songs are are kind of cast off, like Beach Boys and Dick Dale are just they dominate the airwaves in Southern California, so listening to JFA and hearing them do two surf covers. And there's another instrumental later on that they do, which is fantastic. But yeah, this album is so, I should hate this album because it's very, it's very punk and it's very boring because (laughs) there's a lot of like three chord songs, but what, like what, what makes this so like, so goddamn good is how good they are how great they all are at their instruments. I can think mm-hmm. like the least, if I had to like rank them from, from like highest to lowest, it's like bass, drums, vocals, guitar. That's like how I rank them as musicians, how much I enjoy listening to what they are doing. Wait, wait, you said from worst to best? No, from so best to the, worst. Oh, okay, so bass was on the, on the top. Yeah, bass, drums, okay. vocals, guitar. And in surf music, like the Venge, they had three guitarists. Because... <laughs> no. There's a lot of things that the guitarists do, but the bass is always there just to basically keep time, just to be a metronome. Mm-hmm. But here, like even in the songs Walk Don't Run and Baja, the bass is taking those easy surf songs and he's just fucking noodling. He's just going crazy. He's punking it up to a, a, a thing that I never even imagined. It's yeah. literally mind-blowing to me. I could not believe it. And I got really, really heavy into the surf stuff since we started collecting, even more than I ever have. And I've never heard anything like this. I've never heard any kind of bass playing like this on anything that yeah. I've ever heard in surf music. It is unbelievable. Yeah, in surf music, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's what you got. That's your initial reaction to this yeah, record. I don't even know initial thoughts, was. I should yeah, say. Yeah, initial thoughts. Okay, so my initial thoughts real quick, and then we'll get into our bangers. Uh, I, I don't think there are any stinkers, so I'll, I'll preface that, you know. Uh Initial initial thoughts. I, I think this is just a fantastic punk record. Uh, I, I mean, it, it hits all the all the right the right things. Like really crazy, passionate singing, really aggressive parts, really fast, sloppy parts, which are it's it's so endearing. I, I I love it. And then you throw in the random surf shit. Like it's wild. I, I think the only I think one of the things that I like about the Untitled record more than this is that they incorporate more surf 
into the actual punk songs because on this one these are these are more covers than anything else but on untitled it's more of an more of a fusion between punk and and surf but it's not to knock this record at all because this record is fucking amazing but it's it's just it's a nice combination of of both of those genres thrown in there and like you said the the last song is an instrumental it's a it's a punk instrumental essentially with a little bit of surf in there but it's not a straight up surf song and it's this record it just hits all the right the right points at the right times it's it's perfectly sequenced and it just there's a lot of passion in this and like you said before a fucking snotty a bunch of snotty nosed teenagers between like 15 and 17 years old it's just like great fucking punk band and I, I never looked at the artwork until I bought the record a little over a month ago, and I was I was looking at the cover and I'm like, dude, these kids look like they're fucking twelve. I know. Like, I couldn't believe how <laughs> fucking young they looked. I I was blown away. I'm like, these motherfuckers sound like this. Like I, I would I, never in a million years would I have thought that they looked like that. It was so I was I was so surprised. But dude, like like honestly, on a bigger label, just a little bit bigger of a label with a little more promotion, this could have like these guys could have been like the greatest punk band of all time. Like they're they could have been guys, up there with Black Flag. Oh, for sure, been up there with Black this Flag. This album is better than most of the stuff Black Flag did. This album is better than most of the punk stuff that came oh. out of this era that I've heard. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say better than Black Flag because they had some great shit. I actually listened to all the Black Flag records today too. Because I was driving around a lot today, so I listened to to the Untitled and Valley today while I was driving. Then I'm like, "Fuck, I want to. I'm I'm in this mood. Like, I gotta listen to more." So I listened to all the Black Flag records, even the the newest one with Ron Reyes, the when he came back. That's and dude, one. I mean, no, I I think I think that's a fucking solid record too. I think it's, it's better four. than some of the Rollins stuff. Honestly, I think it's better than a couple of the Rollins records. But uh, yeah, no, the Black Flag dude, they're they're so good. But yeah, Greg Ginn is a little far up his own ass. You know, musically, but there's some great stuff on those. But if we're just talking like like rhythm section alone, like these guys. Oh yeah, rhythm section. Yeah, yeah. They're oh yeah. I know you're right. Rhythm section wise, yeah, they're better. Just on this alone, there's just on this and Untitled is better than anything Robo ever did. Period. Yeah. Oh no, you're right. right. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Like Bill Stevenson, great, great drummer, great producer, very influential. These two records, this and Untitled, better than anything he ever did. Rhythm wise, I, kid. rhythm wise, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. But damn, some of the Black Flag shit, man, it's so good. And it's, so uh, good. dude, to not even be like established, like in any way, and coming from like Black Flag came from Hermosa, so I know, right? You're yeah. you're you're in an area where you have so much influence. You're fucking on the beach. Yeah, but and, also and you, you know, make Black a little Flag. bit of surf tinge in your music. For these guys to be in the middle of shithole Phoenix and shit and Phoenix in the eighties is not like Phoenix it was today. Like you yeah, can look yeah. at like pictures of Phoenix in the eighties. It's a shithole. It's still a shithole, but it's it's just fucking dirt, 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 dirt. <laughs> and for these kids to to pull this off, it's it's unbelievable to me. It truly is unbelievable to me. It's pretty crazy, and and I remember I, I w- when I was reading about the whole scene back in the seventies, late seventies, early eighties. They the really the reason why they formed this band was because they didn't want to skate to like big arena rock bands like Aerosmith or Journey. They wanted they wanted to make music that they can skate to and like get pumped about, get pumped up about, and that's what this was. Like this is what I forgot some of the other bands that came out of this scene. There weren't very many, but 
or the ones that like I even I've ever even heard of. But but yeah, that that was really the reason for this band was to, like you said earlier, it was to accompany their skating. Like that's what it was. They wanted to skate to this kind of music, so they decided to make it. Like they didn't want to rely on another band or anybody else, so they just did it, which is super cool, super fucking cool. Like the only other bands that came out of this era. I guess like the early '80s and mid '80s that I I've I've listened to a lot of Arizona bands because I'd want to get like growing up in, in Southern California it was just always there so I didn't have to put any mm-hmm. work into it I just grew up with it we grew up with it yeah but now I have to put in the work and listen to these bands going backwards but like bands like Me Puppets they're a huge band I don't like them I think they're they're fucking alternative boringness yeah they're I don't like them. But people like him, boring. Don't care. <laughs> Bands like 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 Sacred Reich. They're they're like a thrash metal band. I think they're fantastic. They're phenomenal. Came after JFA. Mm-hmm. Bands like Flotsam and Jetsam. People know Flotsam and Jetsam because of Jason Newsted. Yeah. But they came out right around JFA. Did they were thrash metal, speed metal, but they were in the same. They were in the same scene. But they had one album with Jason Newsted, and then he moved on to do bigger and better things. And that yeah, was the, the band became oh you, the, we we are the band that had Jason Newstead in it at that point kind of like kind of like Hawkwind you know Hawkwind is the band that Lemmy was in before Motorhead right like that is, I mean Hawkwind are really good but you know their biggest claim to fame is that Lemmy was in the band prior to Motorhead but and so it's just it's kind it's, of the same idea it's uh, I don't know it's man it's such a small music scene it just really is and I. I it's just because it's the fucking desert, and I don't. It's no disrespect to this area, even though this area is a desert, and I understand it's a desert and it's fucking shit out here. But you know, there's there's nothing out here. Yeah, there was no, never anything out here. There's never going to be anything out here because nobody wants <laughs> no. to fucking live out here. And if Jimmy World is the most <laughs> successful band that has ever come out of this area, then I mean Marty Robbins was like born in Glendale, but what was it like a million years ago? Who the fuck is Marty Robbins? El Paso. You remember the song El Paso? You, Timmy's dad sings all the time, he says. What? The, the song El Paso. Lifting my heart into New El Paso. Oh, that song. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, I know that song. Okay. Did you say Timmy's dad sings it all the time? No, no, not that I'm song. I'm pretty sure you did. That's fine, though. No, no, I, yeah, I didn't. That's didn't. fine. That's okay. I, I didn't, I didn't, but that's fine. But anyway... What, what were you? What were we talking about, dude? Just the scene out there. I found out so much <laughs> oh, yeah, crazy. Dude, yeah. I found so much crazy facts about the skate scene, the music scene, just the scene in general. I I have like fifty facts here. Yeah, I was I was surprised at how how big the skate scene was in Arizona. Like, like you said, I didn't think Arizona was like anything in the seventies and eighties. I, I didn't think that anything really came out of Arizona until the nineties. And but that wasn't the case. Like this, the whole skate scene was was wild. Like with the, the kind of shit that they were doing, just you know, was was so, kind of ahead of its time a little bit, and kind of bled into the the SoCal scene. And from what I was reading, a lot of skate skaters from SoCal were traveling out to Arizona to check out what was going on out there because it was just so. It was like the fucking Wild West. It's crazy. So, like, like know. just like skate in general, right? Like, Southern California owns it completely, one hundred percent. But what what really like brought it up, like the whole like Dogtown and Z Boys thing, 
is the, is the California drought in the 70s. That's what made mm-hmm. people like drain their pools or not fill their pools. And that, that like started like the vert trend in skateboarding. And that's, that was like the mid to late 70s. And then like the 80s is, is when like the whole Ollie thing was involved and invented mm-hmm. and people started doing more tricks with that. But the transition between the two was was like kind of like Phoenix was kind of like this area because so like for instance for instance I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw you out some stuff here that I, that I looked up go for was, it yeah go for it there's this thing called the Love Bowls do you I think I that's anything about the you Love send Bowls me, you sent me the the link about all those stories um, that some guy I forgot who what who he was but he created that website last year just recounting all these like crazy or all these like places around Arizona or Phoenix that were like skating areas and like people were people in the scene can post stories about p- the particular pools and skate parks and everything before the skate park shut down. Yeah. So yeah. So, and and yeah, I read a little bit about a, that. A collective of people that are reminiscing on old times. And then you have to, you know, as you should be doing with every piece of information you, you acquire on the internet, you, you weed in the good and the bad and you put together your own information. So what I, yeah. what I get is like the love bowl. So Brian, the the singer for JFA w- was on the cover of Thrasher magazine twice, mm. once in nineteen eighty seven, and that cover I don't know if you looked at the cover, but he's 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 like he's skating this fucking it looks like the the side of a of a drive in movie theater like where they project the picture onto, yeah, it's fucking huge. It's like twenty five feet tall, and it's just it's called the Love Bowls. And what it was is they were built for the new Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> Oh, the okay, yeah, yeah. I I saw this picture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking they, at it right now. Yeah, it was supposed to be like these rotating half bowls thing that could capture like the sun in Arizona, but that yeah. that that Dick that new Dick Dan, Vic didn't that new wow I can't even speak Dick the new Dyke. Dick Dan well, I still can't do it. Ooh, this is a the tough new one. Dick Van Dyke show. That's a tough <laughs> thing to say though. New Dick Van Dyke show. Say it fast. Uh, Dick Van Dyke. No, the, the new, new Dick, Dick Van Dyke show. Uh, well, the you, new Dick Van you Dyke practice. Show. You probably have it written down or something. Well, actually, I'm I'm in the process. I'm in the middle of watching Dick Van Dyke right now. The new Dick well, not, Van Dyke, not, or not, the, no, the one from the uh, '60s. Yeah, yeah, so the new Dick so. Van Dyke only lasted three seasons because it fucking sucked and everybody I'm hated it. Surprised it even <laughs> lasted three. But they set up in Carefree, and after like a season, they moved the studio to California, and like the, the bull was just left. Like you know, because mm-hmm. who, who gives a fuck what we build in the in the Phoenix desert? No one lives there. Let's just leave our shit there. <laughs> yeah. So of course, all of the skaters and all the kids took it over, and it became this 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 monument to just skating in like the early eighties. Because I think it was like like late seventies that they moved to to Glendale, California. But whatever, mm-hmm. that, that that was the Love Bulls. That was his first. That was Brian's first co- Thrasher cover in nineteen eighty seven. But like. Digging deeper into the skate culture, their second album, Untitled, mm-hmm. that's from that's them skating at a super secret spot in like Florence, Arizona. Yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't the Love Bowl, right? On the no, cover that, of the no, that was that was that pipes. was one of the the big pipe, the twenty four foot pipes. Florence pipes and Florence, Arizona yeah. is like forty miles south of Phoenix, and and originally, I thought that the cover was because I've heard about these pipes that are under the Tempe Mesa area. Mm-hmm. And you have to like you have to like go into manholes and like crawl down ladders like you're fucking the lizard from Spider Man, <laughs> and like go down into the sewer systems to skate these pipes. And that's what yeah. I thought it was because I have heard of those before, just like going to bars and stuff and, and talking to people that skate in in the in the eighties and nineties. But 
what it is is these giant pipes that are in Florence, Arizona, like I said, 40 miles south of Phoenix. And they go under the Gila River, which is a, a big river aside from the Salt River in the area. And I, I guess it was just like it was crazy strict and it took like miles to even walk to these pipes. And that mm. that that picture is from these giant fucking pipes. These They're fucking 30, huge. 40 foot pipes. And an interview I was reading with Brian talking to just some local guy doing an interview. He he was just kind of reminiscing on how how aggressive it was to ride these pipes because you get to a point and you're going up and down like a half pipe. But if you hit that point of like no return, the point of, of the pipe to where now you're going up instead of on the downward, you know what I mean? Yeah, where where your skateboard's over your head. Yeah. So now now you're 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 essentially going into a loop. And if you don't <laughs> you don't commit to the loop or you go a little bit too high, you're gonna crash hard. Yeah. And so he was I, he I, was talking about all that stuff. I thought that was that was that I was read really some people who 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 would do that. And they would, they would, the board would be over their head, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't go with it properly. So then they would have like a ten foot drop straight down onto the fucking concrete. Yeah, like that's fucking nut. Like, <laughs> but you talking watch, about all the broken bones and shit. And yeah, so you, so you watch Jackass now, and when they're doing the loop, the actual loop, you know, they go down the big hill and yeah. they do the loop. They have a mattress, and they throw the mattress out real quick in case yeah, so they, don't, they yeah. see nobody's going to make a loop. Let's throw the mattress out. There was no mattress in the fucking 80s like this. They didn't throw mattresses out. These were kids hopping fences, climbing down manholes, <laughs> dropping yeah. in on 40-foot fucking pipes with no supervision whatsoever. There were no, so there were no safety precautions whatsoever. Yeah. That, that's, it's so rad. It's so fucking rad. And it makes sense like now that after this week and doing more research because i never knew really i didn't know anything about the the phoenix skate culture and you know playing going back and like playing the first tony hot game you get the downhill jam in and that's supposed to be in phoenix arizona level i I fucking hate that level but nobody likes it (laughs) (laughs) but it's just funny like i remember growing up even up until a few months like this week i thought i've always thought like why why is why is phoenix arizona you know why is that the one city that's like picked out out of all the levels why phoenix but now it makes perfect perfect fucking sense because it was so important within the scene and i had no fucking clue because it really like phoenix has always kind of been just like the truck stop of on your way to la on your way to southern california and so why not like buck owens like stopped here in phoenix and did a bunch of recordings and stayed here for a while on his way to california like this, yeah. this is what we. That's what it is out here, and so. But I, I mean, like I don't know. It's a really cool scene out here, and the more I dig into it, but you gotta dig. It's not just handed to you. Like you, you gotta dig a little bit. Yeah. It's not Do a wasted I'm, state. I'm, I'm curious if if a lot of this stuff still exists. Like if the scene is still kind of there. Like if people are still going down into these fucking pipes. No. You don't no, think so? Because I, I ever since we started collecting and I've gotten to JFA, I now talk more about this scene to bartenders, mm-hmm. locals, old guys, and and no. Because every city has a skate park. Like Gilbert has a fucking oh, okay. massive skate park with okay. like fourteen foot combi pools, like straight out of Van Skate Park in Orange. They have huge, <laughs> huge pools. Chandler's got like three skate parks. Mace has got like four skate parks. So you don't need to do these kind of things, and most of these yeah. skate parks like they allow bikes, scooters, whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, no whatever worries. you want. 
And I was reading too that that the skate scene back in the seventies and eighties was that they, they did have a bunch of skate parks, but then they all got shut down by like nineteen eighty two, eighty three because of liability issues with insurance because everybody was fucking hurting themselves and suing the, yeah. the skate park. So they just shut them all down. So then they had to go underground. All these skaters had to go underground and this is what happened. Like they, they fucking found these giant pipes and, and the wildest thing to not the wildest thing, but I thought was really interesting was that these fucking pipes exist. Like they, they are, yeah, I know. they're like, they're so fucking big. And then they were taught, there was one thing on that site that you sent me, they, that talks about how they actually moved them, moved those giant pipes, and dude, it's fucking nuts. Yeah, <laughs> like they're so <laughs> enormous. Like, it, it's it's so it's it doesn't even seem real. Like that these guys were going just to skate these pipes or these pools or whatever. You know, it's just it's so nuts. And I then think, the, yeah, I think the first the first skate park that opened in, in Arizona was called Thrasherland, and. Mm-hmm. And Brian was actually on the cover again of Thrasher magazine in uh, 1989, a couple years later. And mm. Thrasherland opened up in Glendale. And um, I'm pretty sure it's gone now because the directions I gathered from that website, if you follow everybody's like, because nobody gives you an address, it's always like, oh yeah, do take the third right, go two miles east. So like, <laughs> I, I looked at like three or four different directions and they all lead to the same place. <laughs> and the place now is the Glendale PD training facility. <laughs> so it kind of it makes sense. Like the PD would like demolish a skate park and then build their training facility on top of it. So I think yeah, it's kind of funny. But from what I gather, like Thrasherland was his prefab skate park. Like, like it was, you know, like prefabricated or whatever. And it went up for sale again in 2004 on eBay. Like somebody, what? whoever owned it was trying to sell the skate park <laughs> or sell. What it, dude, so fucking weird. But, Wow. But like you said, like these well, I think it was like the early nineties, late eighties, early nineties, these closed down because of of, of the insurance. Yeah. It was like a dollar to get in. And there's a bunch of like if you just type in on YouTube uh like Thrasherland or uh High Rollers, I think it's called High Roller. High Rollers is this website that has a bunch of documentaries on skating in the Phoenix area or the Arizona area. And there's all these interviews with guys that, that were there in like nineteen eighty five when it opened. Mm. And I don't know. It's it's just it's it's cool to see. It's cool to see these guys from Phoenix hitting. Oh, the I did. Same. I did watch that video. Yeah, I, I looked it up real quick. Yeah, I did watch that video. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's it cool to see these guys rad. hitting the same tricks that they do in like Southern California, but with no real ties to Southern California. And so again, mm. what really like interested me about JFA to throwing it back to the beginning is how the fuck do these guys have so much surf influence in their music being so far from the ocean? True. And like Very if I true. could if I could ask any of the guys from JFA, that is like the number one question that I would ask them. Is yes, I get it. People coming from Southern California to Phoenix in the area, they can bring a little bit, but without like the advent of like the internet and everything else that is so there's so much. It's just yeah. how do you find it? You're relying on word of mouth. Word of mouth and magazines at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's just how the fuck it, ha- you- it had to it had to have been magazines I, that's the only maybe tv well i mean well actually when you think about it like endless summer came out in the 60s and i mean that that movie was is wildly popular it always has been so but i mean that, be that could have been a big punk thing. band with surf influences though like now you have two cultures that did not start in in phoenix but now, then it could also be like dead kennedy's 
but they again, they didn't start service. in Phoenix either. So like, I know, but you have but two huge Kennys cultures that that are nowhere near Arizona. You're eight hours of well, fucking Frisco area, the Bay Area, fifteen hours from Phoenix. So it's, yeah. you have all these cultures that are nowhere near Phoenix. How the fuck do these guys do yeah, it? Yeah, but so then bands, well? but then bands like Dead like Kennedys who? would, but, but bands like Dead Kennedys would go through Phoenix on their tours and play a show in Phoenix. So I mean, I you could get a lot of surf influence from. Some, I mean, there that's just one example, but they're a big example of of kind of spreading surf things. But then surf don't forget, these guys styles. are young too. It's not like these guys are like oh twenty five. Oh damn, we've heard surf music so long. No, like they're like when they formed JFA, they're probably fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like how many shows did you go to that you really soaked in? Like oh man, this is life changing. At twelve. I think you know Brian. I, mean? was, I think Brian was fourteen when he when he joined the band. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was fourteen. Dude, and then just uh, if we're still going on like the music scene in Arizona, I, f- I found out about this place called the Hate House. Did you read anything about the Hate House? No, I didn't. Like I hate something. I it's called the Hate House, or it was called the Hate House. Mm-mm. So, <laughs> so what this was apparently was just some guy's house that he fucking rented, and he moved in. It was like a four bedroom house. And he converted like three of the four bedrooms into like studios. He'd have bands come and they'd practice and he'd rent them out. And then he mm-hmm. would, he boarded up all the walls or no, all the doors and windows except for like the back window. And he mm-hmm. just took big old pieces of plywood and fucking nailed them to the door so nobody could get in, nobody could get out. So there was like one way in, one way out. And this became like, like the place to play. And okay. Like, and then the master bedroom, it, he pulled everything out of it and it was like a venue. And he would have mm-hmm. bands play at the Hate House and and bands like the Meat Puppets that talk about the Hate House, how they were terrified to even go in there because it was such a punker place. I mean, we're talking, I read stories about <laughs> people bringing their dogs in and then like dogs getting shot because they just don't want the dogs there. A lot of people the bringing fuck? guns in. The guy who even rented the Hate House got shot in the hand, but then like wouldn't press charges because he didn't want anybody in the house. He's like, no, nah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. But like, Fucking shit, dude. <laughs> dude, and like JFA at the time apparently prided themselves on just having insane live shows to where, you know, this, yeah, this is the birth like of slam dancing. You know, this is this is the birth yeah. of that. People people do it now, and you see the hardcore guys kicking around. It's cute. It's funny. Yeah. But these guys have no idea. These people in their early twenties, they have no fucking idea. We really <laughs> don't have any idea because we weren't grew up in the eighties. But yeah, like the birth we're, of slam dancing. These are. These are very aggressive people, like very, very I, I aggressive read, people. Uh, Brian did an interview, I think, last year or the year before. No, it was the no, it was the beginning of this year, the 40th anniversary of uh, I think it was of the band, the 40th anniversary of the band. And he had said they were talking about slam dancing, and he's like, "Yeah, we thought it was crazy here, because like, you know, that's all that's all they knew." But he said like when they when they opened up for Black Flag, he said it was just they opened for Black Flag in L.A. or somewhere here in california oh and he said he said it was like on another level <laughs> like he never had experienced anything like that and he said that he jumped out into the did you read that interview no yeah and he he because they opened so he jumped out into the crowd to do his thing and he just got the shit beat out of him while he while he was supposed to be singing and he said it was like he said it was like survival mode trying to get back onto the stage because he was just getting pummeled just by people just hitting him like it's fucking nuts he said he was saying like they thought it was crazy in arizona but once they opened for black flag that was another level 
See, that's that's like a perfect example of what it's like, like living out here in this scene versus the California scenes. Because, yes, we can go all day talking about how great the scene was out here. But it still doesn't compare to the Southern California scene. It just in yeah. any way, any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but yeah, man, that hate house. If you ever uh, just bored, just try and Google yeah, hate I didn't house read and about stories about the hate house. And, like, I re- did. I read a story about like the guy who said who owned the house specifically said, "Don't bring your fucking dogs here." And some guy brought his dog here and went to the bathroom, came back, and somebody fucking shot his dog because they were tired of Fuck listening to a bark or something. Just fucking killed it. God damn, dude! Insane. Fucking shit, and it, it it makes me think too. Like, dude, this shit would never fly anywhere anymore because of like you know everybody has a fucking camera. And and I was and there was one story I read on that on the site you sent me. I forgot the guy's name, but he was writing about how he had like a Lords of Dogtown moment where they they knew this guy was like li- only lived at his house for six months out of the year, and so they were they were there skate. They 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 had actually emptied the pool. The guy hadn't even emptied it. They emptied the pool and were skating in it for like weeks or maybe months or something like that. And the guy ended up coming home early and there was a shit ton of people in the backyard just hanging out and skating and stuff. And the guy came out like screaming and yelling and everybody just scattered. <laughs> and, it, and it made me think, dude, that shit would never happen nowadays. Like no. neighbors would neighbors would get a hold of that owner or the owner would have like if the owner's not going to be there. There's going to be fucking cameras everywhere. Like that shit just does not. It's just it's non-existent. Yeah, it's that crazy. was crazy. Like, ah, that's wild. that's a big thing. So like from from what I gathered, the I mean, Phoenix has always been like on the rise as far as people moving to Phoenix, and still is. And so, yeah, the developments, these big corporations that are buying up land, you know, they're buying old houses, demolishing them, and building condos or building apartments. That has always been a thing since like the 90s. And so what I gathered about all these guys talking, reminiscing on that website about like the olden days is <laughs> they wait for an entire, you know, entire neighborhood to be bought up by whatever corporation. And that corporation, mm-hmm. before they demolish it, they, you know, obviously they drain all the pools. And it's yeah. like fucking open season for these guys. <laughs> the entire neighborhood, 10, 15 pools per block, and they just go from pool to pool to pool to pool. And after three months, they're gone. They move to the next neighborhood. And this was yeah. this is like four, five, six years for these kids. And just <laughs> it's crazy. Like, what a fucking life. I know, right? What a scene to grow up in. <laughs> How amazing. Oh my God. It it really made me just kind of just envy all of this shit. Like I, I mean, I could, I'm not, I can barely skate myself. I could barely like move on a skateboard, but let alone do like an ollie. Like I could barely do an ollie, but it's just like, damn, dude. I think, dude, if I was born in like the late seventies, I would have totally, totally been a part of this scene. Yeah. You have to. I, I think it's like in the early seventies, like it was a lot easier. If you wanted to be in the scene, you could do it. But by the time, like in the nineties, like when you, like the late nineties, when you and I were growing up, like skating had gotten so advanced to, for me, at least, like it, it just seems so discouraging to even want to try to get better. That's how I felt, at least, when it came to skating. Like I really wanted to get into it. I love skating, but I was never. I I knew I could never do that well in it, so I just kind of gave up on it. Yeah, because <laughs> it was too. It was just. It's. It was way too advanced, and I know. I knew I just didn't have the talent to do it, so I never went further with it. But I, in the seventies, fuck, dude, I. I at the beginning stages, I would have totally been more into it. The nineties, I mean, for, was it was a rough time for skating because everybody got better and more technical, 
And it wasn't until like late 2000s where people reverted back to like, oh, it's okay to just be vert. And like the late 90s when Ronald, Joe, and I got really, really heavy into skating. And then we went to like biking after that. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. Like now I would never dream of, of like hitting a, a 10 stair and trying Fuck to like no. grind down it. But I, <laughs> dude, I, I'll drop in like almost. As long as the as long as the drop in's less than six feet, I'll drop in just about anything nowadays because I just like <laughs> riding. I like skating. It's fun. I skate to the mailbox almost daily. Yeah, I enjoy it. It's just it's just fun. But the nineties, I feel like, were a very transitional period from everyone just trying to take it further and further and further. And then the two thousand two thousand tens, and then now especially, we're like revert because it's in the Olympics and shit now, and like we're mm. we're reverting back to just skating's fun. Just yeah. go out there and skate. Yeah, especially now that I feel like, because it seems like longboards are getting more popular now in the last few years. So it's like people yeah. are just doing it more as like a leisure thing rather than Long let's try to outdo all of our friends, you know? Yeah, exactly. Just, so. just skate because it's fun. It's a good way to get around. Yeah. Yep, yep. So should we, so fuck, let, let's get into uh, Little Big Man. We haven't Little talked about any of the I music. Know, none of the music here. Little Big Man. This is my favorite <laughs> non-cover song. This is my 2B. Okay. This and is my 1B in general. So. Okay. 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 Yeah. My This is my 2B. Um, little bass intro. Pick slide in. Like, what more mm-hmm. do you want? You know what I mean? Like, this is... Oh, it's great. This, this is how you kick off a song. And this is another song where the bass is just fucking insane. It's so squirrely. I <laughs> fucking love it. It's <laughs> but it, it kind of breaks at, at like you know it breaks as well. So it's not like you're just constantly being pummeled. There's like a slight relief with the bass too, and it's it's perfect. It's just absolute perfect for this song. That like that dude that main bass riff like the one that they play throughout the song, the one that they're grinding into your head, just mm-hmm. truly amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It is top notch stuff. The in- yeah. like instrumental wise, this band on this song is top notch. I like oh, how totally. the guitar just rings out single chords, while the bass mm-hmm. is just like encouraged to shine. <laughs> and and then and then there's like times where you realize that he's playing a riff, but then you realize he's doubling up on the notes. Like, yeah, and you think like, what the fuck? Like you're 14 or 15, bro. Like what are you doing? Who taught <laughs> you how to do this? And that's another but it's thing also- too. Like <laughs> where did your influence come from? Like like you get like Rollins and you get Dez and you get these guys from Black Flag and they have their influences. They have, oh yeah, I remember seeing this band play live at the Troubadour. I remember seeing this band play live. But like, where did these guys come from? Like there yeah. was not a lot of influence playing in Phoenix in the 70s to where these kids were growing up watching. It was only by word of mouth or passing like records along. I feel like, I feel like it's also, you know, being that young, you're more inclined to just kind of go off the wall, like just not even give a fuck, like be unconventional. You're way more likely to be unconventional. And that's why you get so many bands whose first records are way better than everything else. Because, you know, as, as a band progresses, they get more and more like, let's, let's do more of the status quo. Let's do more of more basic stuff. Let's not experiment as much like in an exciting way. And I think it's, it's just, it's the, it's a being young. It's a, it's the young mentality of just like, who gives a fuck? I'll just do whatever the fuck I want. And that's what you get here. I mean, you hear it with almost every fucking band, punk band, metal band. It's their first record, two, three records are just they're usually the best because they just they have they just don't care. <laughs> I, I just I, I, I I again I'm just I'm 
fucking like dumbfounded on how this band could have been so good. He's like Black Flag. Maybe they saw like the Ramones play in L.A. or whatever. But well, there, there was also a scene like you know where Rollins came from in D.C. and all that stuff. So th- there but, was a, there was a hardcore think, scene going on. To on the think East Coast that well. that same hard doesn't matter. To think that that same hardcore scene was heavy in Phoenix is silly because it, yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. There was no scene. There was no scene in Phoenix. And so I feel like th- I mean, the, the on, influence these yeah. kids have came strictly off of word of mouth practice. And just an overall mindset of, eh, who gives a fuck? Yeah. And, I, and I, I'll i say it again, but I think it's also because, you know, Phoenix was a place where a lot of bands played a show before they came to California. Like you said, it's, it's, a, maybe it's a stopping though, point. Maybe, though. But it, but it, I remember they said that the first show they ever played was with Black Flag, and it was in Phoenix. It was at, um, I don't know, I forgot what the venue was, but their first show was opening for Black Flag in Phoenix. Because Black Flag were doing a tour and they happen to pass through Phoenix like a lot of bands do because the 10, the 10 freeway takes you fucking all over the United States. So, Right, but that's like, like I don't know, like Black Flag is, is the band that this band seemed to have emulated all of their stuff from. But, yeah, yeah. but also like there's other influence that they got. And I, again, I don't know how because Black Flag... Black Flag had it easy. All these bands have it easy because the Ramones did it before them. And the, we don't really like the Ramones, but the Ramones were still kind of semi-aggressive. There were some distorted tones there. The Ramones did things that nobody was really doing. Didn't do it good, but they were still doing some things <laughs> that were that were innovative. And that, that like, dude, the fucking JV's never seen the Ramones. JV, the Ramones never stopped by Phoenix at this point. They probably, they probably no way. Did. Come on. No, fuck no. Come on. They went from Texas straight to, to California. The Ramones never fuck with Phoenix. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> no, Phoenix is a joke. And uh, no, hell no. All right. So what, what do you got? What do you got lyrically on Little Big Man? Little, let me, I just, I scrolled up a little bit. Because I, I remember where they, the, the, the place they played at their first show was one of, it, it wasn't the Freemason, but it was it reminded me something of that. What was it? It, it was, was like the Knights. Of, I know it's not this, but it was like the Knights of Sidonia. That's that's what I read <laughs> when I saw it. It reminded me of that. Yeah, it's definitely not Knights of Sidonia. Um, lyrically, little big man on the surface, like it's it's an aggressive song about stepping up to like someone who treats you like crap. Like deeper, I think it just goes from just like a bully figure to police mm-hmm. to government yeah. in general. And I think it's kind of cool how the song itself escalates in that fashion, as well as the lyrics. And and I was all, I mean, we've been talking about instrumental wise the whole time, but I think Brian's lyrics were were pretty fucking good for a teenager. Yeah, and, for a teenager, and a absolutely. stupid punk band in the eighties. Yeah, I know. I I agree with you. I feel like they were, they were they were advanced. Uh, he wasn't. He's not. He's not a dumb guy. He wasn't a dumb guy as a teenager and. Yeah, I was I was kind of pleasantly surprised by it, considering their age. So, yeah, it was good stuff. I, and I, I agree with you on, on Little Big Man. It's 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 talking about you know I, th- I think it's like saying like as as a teenager you're dealing with the bullies, but as an adult you're you're dealing with the cops. But it's the same kind of person. So it doesn't matter whether or not you're young or older, you're still dealing with the same bullshit through your entire life. So, yeah. that that's that's kind of what I viewed on it. But uh, yeah, so that little big man—that's my—that's my one B. So then, what's your one B? Uh, Baja. This is the the astronauts ah. cover. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. This is uh, this is the surf cover. 
the better of the two so, covers, even though they're both really good. No, they are. Baja is my my two B. So, so we we've, we've got our first two Bs covered at this point. Yeah. But at the Astro, okay, so I I I couldn't figure out who did this song, but I know I'm pretty positive this song was in Endless Summer. I'm I th- pretty pretty damn sure it is. I thought I made you buy this record. Did, do you not have this record? No, maybe it was Sloan or something. I don't think I have this one. Okay. Yeah, well, you should. I, but I swear, I swear that at least that riff is in Endless Summer. I know it is because I just watched it in the summer like a couple months ago. It's gotta be. But I guess I'll look it up later. But what's what's so like? What's what's really cool is is Baja and Walk Don't Run. Like if you're if you're vaguely familiar with the songs, then they sound pretty damn similar. This is one of those times where I I would be like, oh, it's just they didn't they didn't do anything really different to this, but. Like I'm very familiar with Baja and Walk Don't Run, and mm. Baja is now my favorite surf song, and I I, it's fucking vastly different. Like the it's original, very different. That I mean, just the riff itself. It, it's so I feel like it's just an iconic sounding riff. That, like the original has that that, it's like this effect on the picking parts, and it sounds bubbly. Mm-hmm. And and here it's it's straightforward, and he's just picking a distorted guitar like the, the like the lead and so it's like that alone is different i don't know what effect they're using it's it's like a verb and, and something else on the original and it goes like wah, 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 almost like a wah sound okay but maybe a little bit of a delay maybe i don't know whatever it is it's i i i, I love that the picking here matches the beat with the hi-hat like it's just mm-hmm. on point perfectly i think it's fun and the biggest difference between the two is the bass. The bass in the original, again, like I mentioned earlier, surf music has three guitarists and the bass player just is a metronome. But here, like, holy fuck, man. He is just killing it. He is going up and down. He's writing his own little riffs. He's following. He's leading. Mm. It's absolutely amazing. It's mesmerizing. It's so fucking good. It really is. It really fucking is. So I'm I'm gonna play a little bit of Baja right now, and then we'll get more into it. So here it is from JFA.
you go. Baja from JFA. The best surf song on this record out of the two. But, ah, dude, I love it. I love that riff. And what I, I've only, I just love about surf music is how the amount of reverb they use, it just sounds like, it's just so distinctive. It just sounds like wet. I, I That's like the best way to describe it. It just, yeah, it's so weird. I, I, I don't know how else to describe it, but I love that. I just love that reverbed out tone and you know that 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 like cliche thing where where whatever it is it's only a blank knows how it feels or people people will say like only a surfer knows how it feels okay yeah like that type of thing yeah but it is it is it does hold merit which actually when i it it does hold merit because if you never if you didn't grow up like around the beach and just you don't need to to be like a skater, a surfer, or whatever. Just being immersed in the culture itself, just through mm-hmm. osmosis, you learn so much. You're you're a part of it. You go to shows with people that are like that. And Southern California is truly like such a great place. We've we've been to a lot of places. Yeah. Oh it's, yeah. Absolutely. And, and Southern California culture is is truly truly unique in that there. Uh, it's very. It's very diverse. It's very accepting. It's very unique, and and it's, it's an amazing place to grow up. Unfortunately, it's not the way anymore. But yeah, it was a very, true. very, very cool place to grow up. But um, the astronauts they're they're from Colorado. They're not even from so the, the weird. beach area. It's I so know. Weird. I know. It's it's like it's like CCR. You know, you think they're from the fucking from Mississippi or something, but no, they're from fucking Lodi, California. Dude, even even more crazy is the trash men, like like the 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 bird song, the the surfer bird, surfing bird, bird bird bird. That's all. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. from fucking Minnesota. What? Like the the two biggest like surf <laughs> songs like of all time. Like those those yeah. two are are not even from California's. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Yeah. Oh my gosh, but. Baja, great stuff. Baja, great, great stuff. stuff. I, know, I know. And now that I think about it, I. I might have an astronaut's record. I don't know though. I have to go look. I thought you did. This is this is one that that was an early on in our, or again yeah, in our collecting. And I'm I, literally I, right next to my my collection right now. So let's see. It's Jorge Ben. No, it's not. We're not looking at Brazil. We're looking at not Les Baxter. Don't have them labeled the way you probably should be. That's fine though. I do, but I don't have the astronauts. No, oh, okay. I don't have I don't have any A's in this section. Because I put oh. all I put surf stuff under my world or exotica section. What do you do? What? Where else would I put it? You don't have a soft rock section at least. No, I have. Where do you put your I Beatles? Have, I put my Beatles in classic rock. <laughs> what is classic? Yeah. So like Beatles are next to like fucking Sabbath. Uh, no, okay. So my my oh main God, section. Here we go. My my main section is pretty much all rock music from like nineteen the early nineteen eighties to now. So all rock indie rock modern metal punk it's all in one section and then i have my hip-hop and pop section and then i have my prog section which actually is pretty fucking big and then i have my world and exotica section and then i go to classic rock and then i go to jazz blues and then i go to uh country and then everything else miscellaneous soundtracks uh big band shit like that classical so th- those are my sections. That is fucking nuts. Otherwise, I'm gonna have too many tabs and too many things. It's it's not fun. I just I I just feel like I feel like I would be embarrassed putting like 
Beatles next to Zeppelin in the same tabs. Well, it's in the same. It's in the same section. Yeah, yeah that's. Uh, I mean, I also have Haley Williams. I also have Haley Williams right next to Wu Tang. Yeah, I'd feel embarrassed every time I want to listen to <laughs> Wu Tang. Like, oh, I'm in the mood for hip hop. Let me go Wu Tang. Oh, and then H- Haley Williams. Yeah. Oh, I might I might listen to Haley Williams. It's a good record. Yeah, it okay. is a good record. Okay. <laughs> but then I go from Primus to Postal Service, or like Offspring in the same Primus, area, Postal in the Service. same in the yeah. same. It's it's all right next to each other. What yeah. are you doing with your life? What is <laughs> going me, on? Let me see. I've I've no effects. Uh, no one special. The Offspring, Pennywise, Primus. Queens of the Stone Age, Radiohead, yeah, it's just that's 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 consecutively. It's all oh, and then postal service is so do. wrong. No, it's it's all right. <laughs> no, it's so wrong. <laughs> it's so good. Oh man, I love it. Okay, that's I got a I got a great right. vinyl collection. You, you're getting there. I'm not gonna lie, you're getting there. I have the best vinyl collection. Anyway, uh, do we got anything else on Baja? Should we move on? Yeah, let's move on. What's your uh, okay. what's your three B? My three B. Well, what's your three B? I'm curious. Great Equalizer. Really? Yeah, the okay. second song. All right. Great Equalizer. That is my 6B. Six so what do you got on this one? Uh, first of all, it's a dope song. I love the Tom usage and like incorporating some of the palm mute stuff. So I think that's kind of fun. And it's bouncy. Mm-hmm. The song's bouncy. The bass comes through heavy and like drives that riff forward. And there's some, I don't know, there's some really amazing stuff here. When they speed like the riff up, the drummer mm-hmm. isn't just punking out like a one-two fast beat, right? He's got yeah. a good groove. And that's that's what I noticed most in that. Uh, I think that sentence structure makes sense. That's what I noticed <laughs> mo- most important about this about this album. Dude, you're having a tough time with this. I know. Well, you know, I got my fucking hazy IPA that I drank earlier. That's seven percenter. <laughs> Ooh, wild. I know. But yeah, that's 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 something I notice a lot. Is the drummer isn't just a punk drummer. He doesn't just hit those one twos as fast as he possibly can, like yeah. some of those Black Flag folks do. But he does, he plays fast and he plays open a lot. There's a lot of like open cymbals going on in this album. There's a lot of open hi-hats. It's not just super fast, boring shit. Yeah, He's a no, really good you. drummer. And then also, the bass player, dude. The bass is noodling real <laughs> quick. And the guitar is doing like the offbeat ska thing. Are you yeah. fucking kidding the me? The upstrokes. The upstrokes oh really God. stood out to me on that one. Yeah, it's really dude, good. Great equalizer. Third best song. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's definitely less aggressive, especially coming off of the first song, which just fucking kicks your ass. It's called "Kick You," so I guess that kind of makes sense. It's but yeah, that one's just like a what a what a fucking punk song that is. But yeah, it re- it really does kind of slow down and and is much less aggressive. I love the upstroking of the guitar and the bass playing. Like you said, like every song on this record, the bass player just fucking kills it. So. I th- I think it's a really good song. Should we play a little bit of it? Get into well, it more. It's your, it's your like fifteen B's, so I don't know if you want. No, it's my six B. That's fine. Oh. I I have I have twelve B's on this record, so just throwing oh, that out there. So here's a great equalizer from JFA.
There you go. Great equalizer from JFA. Dude, I, I like it. Dude, like I said, that that part when it when it everything kind of stops and the drums just kick back in really quick. The bass comes in and the upstroke guitar. Fuck, it's so good. <laughs> it really kind of catches you off guard when you listen to this record because you're just expecting just punch in the face punk rock, but then you, they throw in these little things, man. It's so fucking good. Honestly, Love too, it. like like their delivery is 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 just punk of this era. It is hardcore punk. Their delivery is that. They really try hard to be that, but they just can't help but be better. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what like separates them from other hardcore bands of hardcore punk bands of this era is they are really good at their instruments for being so fucking young. I know. I, just, I cannot so, get so over disconnect- that. It, it's not just being young. It's being. It seems like so disconnected from the main scene. You know, I, I think it's also that it's not just being young. Like it's imagine like fucking boat. Martians landing on Earth and playing music that was so goddamn good, and they're like, "Yeah, we've never even heard of like any of your good bands." And you're like, "Well, how the fuck did you get so good?" Like, I don't know. Like that's JFA. And just <laughs> how the fuck did you get so good? I don't know. <laughs> Oh God! And then lyrically on this one, for me, it's just like it's a hypothetical scenario. Like, had Ronald Reagan died when after being assassinated, or if he had been assassinated, and then everything turned into anarchy. Like it's like a very short kind of short story on a what if, you know? That's what I got okay, on this one. Okay, okay. What do you What do you think? I I saw this more of like a passing the guard type of thing. Oh. Because the so like the Reagan culture JFA was involved in and grew up in wasn't wasn't what they wanted for their America. Yeah. So in the song, like they literally thank the old guard and and reassured that anarchy and fighting the power will prevail. Mm-hmm. And I think be like given that, and then also knowing where they like JFA will end up, Brian like joining the military, things like that. I think I think this band did see themselves as a sort of middle ground between like the respectable world war two era to i guess now like where we're at now as as regards to war and stuff but at the time you know like like respecting your veterans but then growing up and learning that war is horrible for everybody and yeah why do you need well, to respect and, your veterans type of and thing? that's and that's growing up during the vietnam war because the vietnam war had just ended less than 10 years prior so i mean i i, I yeah I see what you mean there. Yeah, so they I mean they grew up in and like the eighties we were born in the eighties, so we didn't grow up in the 80s. we were born in the late eighties. Yeah. We barely grew up in the nineties, to be honest. And so like we don't know really Born well, in eighty seven, come on. But we didn't like you like you say we grew up in the nineties. We did. By the time the nineties were over, we we're like twelve. Okay. So well, you do, you do most of your growing yeah. up between like ten and eighteen. So we Really grew up in like okay, the 2000s. early two thousands, early yeah. late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, okay. for sure missed the eighties one hundred percent. Oh yeah, yeah. So like the eighties was a very, a very weird time. We talk about it all the time. Dude, eighties was a very weird time, especially in music and just politics and world events. Eighties was fucking bizarre. Nobody really knew what the fuck to do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just think about the, the current events of the time. I mean, there was no real active war going on. I mean, the Cold War, obviously, but then the Cold War ends. And then it's just like, what? It's it's just so fucking weird. It's, and it's fashion-wise, musically, movies, everything was just... The American dream was essentially ending 
you know that was that was really just kind of the beginning of the end of the american dream and dude the 80s were fucked in so many ways <laughs> the 80s were like just a byproduct of of the 70s bleeding from the 60s and then people just being tired of that shit and yeah. Where do we go from here? The 80s were just lost. Agreed. 80s sucked. I mean, we were born in the yeah. 80s. So that was great. But other than that, <laughs> the 80s yeah, sucked. It was shit. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. It, it's crazy to see like the jump in consumerism from the 70s to the 80s as well. Like the 80s were dominated by advertising and consumerism and just just wastefulness. <laughs> That's really what the 80s was. Ah, it's crazy. Just how just like, quickly things changed. Just just thinking about too, like like the moon landing. I, I don't know why I just thought of this, but it's so fucking bizarre. It is so crazy how long it's been since I put quotation marks. Anybody landed on the moon? Yeah. How fucking insane is that? Well, that's always been the conspiracy theory, right? Like why I know. why I, haven't I, we been on the moon for so long? I mean, there's nothing to do there. What it, how many golf balls can you really hit on the fucking moon? I don't know, man. I don't know. Why haven't we been there in so long? It's so crazy. Something's going on. It's just something that (laughs) it's been fifty years. Well, I mean, since we first landed, we we've been there since, but but it has been decades since we have been. It's crazy. But anyway, do we got anything else on 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 Great Equalizer? Uh, no, that's it. Okay, so that was your three B. Yeah. So then my three B is drum roll, please. Uh, I don't like you. I don't like you. My number three. So we're at this point, we're back to like really fast, aggressive, uh, just straight fucking punk music. Some of the squirreliest bass lines on this song. Oh, it's so good. I, I just, I just love the aggression of this coming off of walk. Don't run. Like you just get this nice intermission, essential, not intermission, but just break from the, the insanity and, then you just get right back into it, like straight up back into it. And then you go back into fucking surf shit. So it's like, it's weirdly placed. It really is. But it's, I fucking love this song. It's, what do you it, think? It is. It's so, it's, it's such a weird placement. And JFA produced their own album. So like it was engineered mm-hmm. by whoever ran Placebo Records. And Brian and the guys from JFA have always said that Tony, the guy who owned Placebo Records, JFA would be like nothing had it not been for him. Because... He did so much work, so much boots to the ground work for JFA to get them as popular as they could possibly be. But this yeah. comes down to sequencing. And I didn't, I actually put, this is, this is a banger slash not banger for me. Because, Why is that? Because I think the sequencing is fucking weird. I think it's it just is. bizarre. It just doesn't it, make any sense. The surf stuff could have been, like, Ba could have been later on in the record because by the time you get to like track 11 and 12, you're like, okay, I'm, I've heard a lot of this stuff. Like, yeah, like I need a break. <laughs> Why not just open and close the record with the covers, the surf covers? Just That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. But like, but so Baja opens side two of the vinyl and then I don't like you, uh, closes side one. So walk, don't run is a second to last song. You flip it over and you have another surf song. I think yeah. that's bizarre. I think that's weird. I think that comes from, from the band, sequencing their own album mm-hmm. so that's why i think it's bizarre but um it, it i think the song is a fucking banger and i make fun of like the easy three chord punk song a lot because that's what this song is the three chord yeah. verses fucking <laughs> easily digestible 
but mm-hmm. it's good. It's got a little tinge to it, and I think I have. A, I think I. I think that I think that it has a tinge I, you to think it. That you think, yeah. I think that I think. Yeah, because I'm. I'm thinking that I'm talking about myself, <laughs> asshole. I, I, I'm thinking that it has a tinge of surf music to it because it's backed in between, it's sandwiched in between two surf songs, but it really does. There's a little bit of like like surf tinge to it that you can hear that it comes through that is not just like a cheesy, easy punk song. I think it is a well thought out punk song that they did. It just so happened to be easy three chord verses. And it, like, that's exactly what the verses are. Just easy three chord verses. You know yeah. where it's going. But this this would have been it like it was a B slash not B. This would have been like a seven or eight B for me. Okay, all right. I I understand. I understand what you mean. I I, I think it's just also I love the simplicity of it. Like there, lyrically, it doesn't really. There's nothing. Not a lot there. I think at the most, it's it's like his criticism of adults who are narcissists. Yeah, and that's pretty much just that's what it is. Like he just repeats himself a lot. The the you know I don't like you. I can't stand you. I mean, I think you, a good you, you, you. a good third of this album is just pure angst, just teen angst. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Nothing deeper than just I'm pissed off at something. I don't know what to do with myself. And that's fine. Like, like if if yeah. what you're how you're how you're presenting it sounds authentic and it doesn't sound whiny, like I I I, I totally get it. Because when you're angsty, it just sounds more sincere if you're actually pissed off rather than just like emo shit where you're just like, you know black my eyes and slip my wrist whatever that fucking author night song uh, is slip my wrist and black my eyes yeah slip my wrist mm, and black my eyes bro okay i'm sorry i'm not i'm not a huge author Heights fan bro but uh yeah just i just feel like it sounds more sincere when you're angsty and actually angry not crying but whatever Hawthorne whatever Heights. <laughs> they're from ohio like what the fuck is that ohio he's like cool college Lovers. football or whatever dumb author Heights. fuck out of ohio <laughs> fucking I hate that band dude <laughs> oh they suck so much <laughs> so here's a I don't like you from uh, JFA There you go. I don't like you from JFA. Dude, that song is so fast. Dude, everyone plays so fucking fast. And when you think, like, the, I don't even want to call it the bridge, but like a little over halfway through the song, because the song's like a min, minute and 10 seconds long. Like, at like the 42nd mark, the bass player just start, tries to noodle a little bit, but they're just playing so fast that he has no time to noodle. So you'll hear, like, he throws in a couple, like, higher notes in there just for fun or just to, like, accent the song a little bit. And it just sounds so rad. But like you could tell he wants to do more, but there's just no time, no fucking time, because they're playing so fast. Yeah, Love this it. is this is like a perfect example of a of a song where 
these kids wanted to form a punk band, and this is a song where they're just okay. They were let's just do a traditional fucking really fast aggressive punk song, and let's just have fun with it. And they all did. <sighs> fucking so good, so good. It's so what do you got for your yeah. what? What was your three B or we already? Do, oh yeah, three B was um the great equal or great equalizer. What's your four B? Uh, four B is uh, preppy. Preppy, okay. Preppy. All right, that's my nine B. Okay, I, that's I, thought, I thought this was funny. I, I, it's a song called Preppy, and the song itself is also kind of preppy sounding. You know, it's a little, yeah, a little pop punky. I thought it was cute, a little tongue in cheek. Like they're, like they're, they're expanding their, their, their base a little bit. They're, they're making songs that are not just punk songs, but now they're, they're blending subject matter with sound and doing a good job at it. Mm-hmm. And like the bass is, he's not just throwing out single notes here. He's cr- like, this is one of the times where he's cramming a ton of fast notes and they're fast enough to where you can miss them. Like you think he's hitting single notes, but he's hitting doubles all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. I, and for me, th- I think this is like a direct throwback to the Ramones. There's a lot of Ramones kind of stylings in this one. It might just be because of the palm mutes and, and all the downstrokes. Cause that's really what made the Ramones the Ramones. Um, but I also feel like calling the song preppy is also kind of, I don't want to say making fun of the Ramones because the Ramones were like, like when you're comparing punk music to from like 1977 to 1981, like the Ramones were preppy. I mean, they were. It was just a they, lack of a, of, a, of a scene, but yes, yeah. I agree. And I feel like it's them kind of like paying tribute to the Ramones, but also kind of like making fun of them in a way. Yeah. That's what I get because the the song itself is very Ramones sounding. It's it's catchier like the Ramones, and then you just it's the palm mutes too. But the vocals, man, super fucking sloppy. I love it. Yeah, and I it's, love the it's sloppiness. Like I don't know, there's just a lot of cool things like vo- like lyrically, vocally. They don't like preppies, and yeah, I think it's funny because preppies. He makes fun of the fact that they all, like we said earlier, that he. They all dress alike and they're like clones, which is funny because the punkers are fucking clones, dude. They, they all yeah. dress the same. I know. I, and and he mentioned a bunch of things like Topsiders, Lacoste, the, the alligator thing, the Pierre mm-hmm. Cardin, all of these these name brand things that he was dropping, and I thought that was really funny. Whereas the punkers are literally dressing, or going out of <laughs> their way to dress the same. Yeah, going out of their way to not conform, yet they all conform to the same. But the only ideals, yeah. It's the only difference was like incorporating skate culture because skate culture is derived from the surf culture, and yeah, punkers who also kind of like dabble in the skate culture are different than punkers who don't. Like punkers that listen to Black Flag exclusively who don't skate or surf are different than the punkers listen to Black Flag that also skate or surf. Completely different. Completely different scene. Different look. And well, I feel like, yeah, I feel like the, the ones who don't skate or surf are also the ones that are more, I don't want to say narrow-minded, but they're, they're much more traditional in what they like. Yes. Like they, they don't, they don't want to experiment. They don't want to go outside of their comfort zones, but I feel like the, the, the ones who skated and, and surf, they were like, fuck, I will listen to anything. We'll have all these things, different things influence us in our music. And yeah, this is, this is a perfect example of that. So. The ones who didn't skate or serve are probably the ones who appropriated the skinhead culture and made it into like a Nazi thing. Those are the punkers that I don't like. Fact or fiction. That guy (laughs) on the TV show. 
What? You ever watched Factor Fiction? I don't think so. No. What? In the, you never grew up watching Factor Fiction? I don't think so. Oh my god! Wait, is that the is that is that the show with the guy from Star Trek? Yeah. He, yeah. Okay, I did watch yeah. that. I did watch that. Yeah, yeah. He he would throw out four stories a night, and then like one yes, of them was real. The three other were fake. What a dumb show, man! What a, <laughs> what a way to spread like misinformation. What an easy way to spread mis- misinformation. God oh, damn, dude. so good. That's a psyop, baby. Until but, until you literally just said it now, I never even realized it was the guy from, from Star Trek. Yeah. And you never even because watched it, that, that season of Star Trek. You never watched Next no, Generation, but, did you? No, I didn't. But, I mean, I he, he is, he's a very recognizable person. But I, And there, there was, like, that, that thing that came out a year or two ago where they, they, like, compiled, like, five minutes of him saying, that's false or that's fake. <laughs> and it, it's, like, the way he says it is exactly the same. He might change the wording. But he says it exactly the same, and it's just like a minute of him saying, or five minutes of him saying that. It's so stupid. But, um, yeah, so should we play a little bit of Preppy? Yeah. Let's do it. Here we go. JFA and the song Preppy. There you go, Preppy from JFA. These songs are fucking short, like less than a minute and a half. So yeah. So there you go, Preppy. That was your four B, right? Yeah, uh, that's like yeah, my four B. Okay. Uh, do we got anything? You got anything else on that one? No, that's it. Okay. So uh, my four B, we talked about it a bit already. It's Walk Don't Run. Um, you know, should we get more into that? Should we play it? What do you think? Uh, that's my five B. Um, okay. it's, it's a classic. I mean, it's, it's such an iconic surf mm-hmm. song and what's different about this one in the, in the OG version is, I mean, it's not like a, to the untrained ear, there's not a lot of differences, but it's, it's faster, it's more aggressive and it's got way more distortion and it's like punked out in these little subtle ways mm-hmm. that you don't realize until you hear the preppy, boring original version. I, I'm with you on that one for sure, uh, but it doesn't. It's not like a straight up punk song. No, but it, it still really holds true to the original. But it's not a blatant ripoff, which is nice because it could have easily done that. Yeah, it's really good. It's a giddy. So, it's a giddy. So, what, what do you think? Should we play it? Should nah, it's all right. We already played one surf song. Okay, so then, uh, so then, what's your five B? Uh, that was my five B. Oh, that was okay. Yeah. So then, fuck. That's right. Yeah, you just said that. I'm dumb. I did just that's say that. dumb. You are dumb. Better watch your fucking mouth. No. Oh, okay. Well. Uh. So my my five B is uh, guess what? The closing song, closing track. Guess uh, what? Yeah. What? What's my what six you, B? That's my six B. Six B. Okay. That's that's good. That's good. This is like um, 
this is a really great fusion of the surf and punk punk sounds that they're that they've been going at but this is this is the best example of that on the song on the closer and i just i just love how it kind of like slows up speeds down at all the right moments it's it's a unique song on this actual record like this could have easily been a higher b but you know it's just when the band's aggressive they're really good when they do their surf shit they're really fucking good so i don't know it just yeah it's hard to rank this one higher but it's such a I, i i i agree like like they're just better songs and it's not this is still a really really good song it's just there are better songs and this this song is fantastic first of all it drum rolls in and that drum roll is so dope and he he's yelling <laughs> so loud and angrily and there's like this total shift change towards like the end of the song it slows down kind of and then it's just like the rhythm section having their own moment like the last mm-hmm. moment of the record fucking great that's how you outro it perfectly and then coming off i10 the the instrumental track before it oh, i think it's instrumental track. absolutely perfect yeah because I, I mean i after hearing the the surf instrumentals you're like okay that that's cool but then you get a punk instrumental like especially one like this like it's it just doesn't Who happen very does often. a punk instrumental exactly what the yeah. fuck yeah i mean i i10 is is my 8b on this one might as well talk about both of them because they what it would does it sit as a banger for you yeah i10 is my 7b Okay, so we might as well talk about both of them because they, they I guess they kind of go hand in hand. But uh, the, the bass playing on, on I-10 is so Jeff Kresge. Like, uh, actually, a lot of this record reminds me of Kresge because he has that squirrely bass sound. And like on Answer That, on that AFI record, dude, he's his bass playing is just, it's one of my favorite per- bass performances out of anybody I've ever heard. And because he's, he's all over the place, but still melodic and still just fucking fast and aggressive and I, I i love it and the tone I, I i heard so much of early afi on this record as well dude there's that's that's interesting because i heard a lot of other bands from this record too and mm-hmm. because this came out so early and like we forget like this is 1983 you know what i mean like this is yeah. so early in the punk game there's a lot of bouncing souls on this record oh yeah no i heard a lot of bouncing souls too fucking yeah, ton definitely. of bouncing souls I, like I, early bouncing souls like like the good the bad and the argyle a little bit of maniacal laughter it's so a lot cool. of early stuff. i think yeah. it's so rad to hear these these bands that released albums in the early 90s but got influence from bands in the 80s and as, as much as jfa is a kind of like an unknown band they're like well known in the punk scene oh yeah definitely definitely and that's really cool I can't believe it just took so long for you and I to get into this band, especially me. Like, fuck, man. Dude, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's Phoenix, bro. It's it's it's, it's Arizona. It's, <laughs> it's desolate. Uh, okay, should we should we play a bit of Guess What or or I Ten? Whichever one you want, kid. Let's do, let's do Guess What because it's just it's okay. unique. So okay. so here we go from uh, JFA. <laughs> I 
So groovy that ending, I, and just the totally reverbed out guitar, man. I, what a, a song! Per, such a perfect ending to an album. It is. It's it's fucking perfect. It's amazing. I love it lyrically on on this one though. I, I just get you know it's about a popular girl who just gossip who just gossips to everyone, and that's that's all it is. It's just him talking shit on that girl, that kind of person. Yeah, that's that's like so, almost exactly what I got. He's just making fun of gossip. And then gossip queens, yeah. but because like the the scene and the the world in Phoenix in the eighties was probably so incredibly small, like mm. everybody probably knew each other. Yeah, <laughs> I like like after after figuring out what the lyrics were about, and then looking at the title, guess what? Like that's the perfect <laughs> the perfect thing to like make fun of about the person because gossip people who gossip always go, oh, guess what I heard? Guess what? Guess yeah. what? Guess what I heard? Yeah, Did you hear about this? It's just like, come <laughs> on, man! It's so it's such a perfect title for this song. I love it, I love it, love it, love it. So, uh, so that's my five B. And so your six B was, we already talked about that. Yeah, six B was guess what? Seven B was the uh, I ten. Okay, we've talked about almost, we've talked about almost everything. Yeah. I feel right. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's a, I don't think there's anything else here that I really care to really really talk about but yeah i'm just going through my notes again really quick i mean actually we could talk about the the two 43 second songs so skateboard and then we know you suck i mean they they just happen so quickly i just you don't even know that they're two different songs i think the only thing that really stands out between the two is that on we know you suck it doesn't really sound like it's brian singing it sounds it sounds kind of like somebody else do you did you kind of hear that yeah, because it seems this, like a little bit higher. We something. know you suck is the one on above all else on this album that I thought sounded just like the Balancing Souls. Okay, like yeah. the Balancing Souls do this, especially in their first several EPs and in their first album. The Balancing Souls do this, and it sounds mm-hmm. just like it. And this one has like a lot of heavy surf vibes, like like the spoken word part. That's very like Jan and Dean and Surf Punks, and Surf mm-hmm. Punks is a band that I discovered like through vinyl and I played them on the pod before and yeah. like they this sounds like surf punks and that's like a late seventies punk surf band, I guess. But <laughs> but dude, not nearly as good as JFA. No. The, I mean surf punks is, is novelty one hundred percent. Not yeah. Not uh I don't know. Content. JFA were just better. Yeah, JFA were just way yeah. better. But okay, uh do you want to play anything else? Skateboarder we know you suck or anything no, else honestly no, no no i am good i do i, I do want to mention that um aside from jfa being named jody foster's army which we talked about earlier mm-hmm. i read that brian said that at some mm-hmm. point rodney bingenheimer of k-rock fame um, yeah, actually rodney gave jody foster one of jfa's early eps really? to listen to yeah and no she listened shit. to it and all and apparently all she said was Hmm. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a perfect response. 
<laughs> I love it. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> That's, that's great. Like, that's like literally, you, you cannot get more. Mm, I hate this, yeah. but okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it was Rodney on the rocks that fucking gave it to her. Like of all the people, man. of course, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. And I mean, we we didn't we didn't really touch upon why it's called Jodie Foster's Army, but they based it off of the guy who tried to assassinate Ronald Reagan, like in in the early eighties, failed obviously. And uh, and he claimed that he did it to impress Jodie Foster because he was obsessed with the movie Taxi, where she played a, a teenage prostitute. And yeah, it's well, super fucking weird. Fucking weird. Yeah, so, th- like, so they which, named the band after that. <laughs> which part of that story is more weird? Like that he tried to kill somebody in, in the name of someone else or the person he was thinking of was like an underage prostitute? Like it's... It's all weird. It's all so weird. Yeah. I, I, did I say ta- it's Taxi Driver? It's not Taxi. Taxi is the TV show with Andy Kaufman. Uh, But yeah, so that's all all I got for JFA. Um, I don't know. What what else you got? You got anything else? No, dude, I'm done. We we talked. We did a lot. We we, we went over a little bit of the Arizona music scene, which is something I've been wanting to do for a while. Yeah. And I feel like we missed out on so much, though. Like, I feel like we didn't. We didn't, though. We didn't. We just just talked about it. We're done. Okay. All right. We we so, but, but we didn't though because we we've been listening to Jimmy World for fucking decades. <laughs> no. And I mean, besides that, like Linda Ronstadt is a huge Tucson native and and released a bunch of albums. But do you fucking care? Oh, actually, she does have a mariachi album that's fucking fantastic. Really? I will say yes. What the fuck? At least one that's, mariachi that's album weird. that's fantastic. That's bizarre. I would have yeah. never expected that. Oh, so good. How do How do you know? Like what? Uh, I think because in my quest of searching for, because I've I listened to a lot, and then actually JFA makes fun of another band called the Jetsons, which are an early early '80s new wave band from the area, and I see their albums all the time, and they have really cool covers, and I almost bought one just sight unseen because it was just a local band. I listened to it, and it's fucking shit. So just in my quest, in my quest for learning a lot as much as I can about Arizona music, I do not like Linda Ronstadt. But I heard she had a mariachi album, and I was like, fuck it, dude. Let's throw it on. And it's fantastic. All right. All right. So let's uh, let's give our final thoughts on this record and then uh, rate it with our uh, world-famous rating system where three is a perfect album, two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to, one is a bad album, but you should give it a shot, and zero is uh, Trash Fire. It should never have been made. Nope. So uh, what do you got? Go. Uh, I don't think this is a perfect album. I'm going to preface that right now. Oh I, don't, I don't think this is a perfect album. Because there are just I don't know there are things about this that I, I wish I wish were different, but <laughs> given given the scene, given what this band did for the little scene that was out here, mm-hmm. and then given like how many decades have passed since this album has come out, and I'm still seeing record stores, bars, even like Zia Records, like all these places still have posters up of JFA. And mm-hmm. it's like Nirvana, and then like the Gin Blossoms, which is another massive Arizona band, but suck. Yeah. So it's like Nirvana, and then the Gin Blossoms, and then like Foo Fighters, and then JFA. Like they put, but even put JFA posters up with these well-known bands of today's <laughs> age is bands uh, that have sold over millions of records. Yeah, versus a <laughs> band Gin that Blossoms, probably yeah. struggled to sell like 
10,000 records over the course of their career. <laughs> it's just, it's something to be said. And this, this, this area really, really likes their JFAs. And I see people post online like, oh, original JFA concert poster, 80 bucks. You know, like little pieces Gee. of paper. Yeah. And then like a I'll, little flyer or something. And then I'll, I'll, I'll see that same person, like, it'll say sold. So somebody bought it. Like this this area this area takes its JFA very seriously. They really does. That's cool though. It's cool. But I th- I think I I think that's that's a little like that's kind of like a catch twenty two, because on the one hand, you think that they just support the band because they're 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 local. You know, this area mm-hmm. likes to support local. It just so happens that JFA is really good. But I don't know yeah. if that's why people are supporting it, or if it's just because it's a local punk band. That has like longevity to it. It's a good question. It's a good question. You'll never know. But um, g- given all that, given the scene, given how active, I mean, Brian lives in Huntington Beach now. So he doesn't live in Arizona anymore. Shit, we're staying out. Um, so given all of that, and it's I don't know, it's it's just it's really cool, and I've been really really excited going through the entire Arizona scene this week and and learning a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I still think this is perfect, dude. I think this is amazing. I think this is a perfect record. I think but you just said it through, wasn't perfect. I know it's not perfect individually, but as a I, whole, the sum of its parts are greater than the parts itself. Is that how the saying goes? No. Yeah. Something That's like okay. that. You know what I mean? I know what you mean though. I, I, I think that this, this album did something that no other punk band ever has done. And they perfectly blended punk with, with surf music. Yeah. And uh I, I I do like Black Flag and I was really surprised when we did the Black Flag stuff. And two of the Black Flag albums really blew my mind and Damage was good. But Black Flag had a tinge of surf, whereas these guys really went for it and didn't mm-hmm. oversaturate their own punk music with the surf sound. Yeah. And I think it was absolutely perfect. And it was exactly what I want. <laughs> so All three right. out of three, baby. Three out of three. You gave it a perfect score. Okay. So uh, my final thoughts, I wish I would have got into this band earlier. I don't know why it took me so long. I don't know what's wrong with me. But uh, yeah, the, the first two records, this and Untitled, man, they're, they're just unbelievable punk records, untouchable. And then after, like, like you said, after reading more about the scene and, and the skate scene and, and just all that, it just made it so much more interesting. And not, not to say that the music and the albums weren't good because they were really, really good. It just added to the whole, I guess, mystique of the band and and these albums, and then knowing also that they were so fucking young and what they what they accomplished on these, they self produced it. Probably took two days to record these these th- the first two records, and yeah, this is uh, dude, they, they were they were unreal, and I agree with you. They did a great job of fusing the punk and the surf, and they didn't o- they di- they didn't overdo it, and I don't want to say dead the dead kennedys overdid it it's just they blended it differently like they've they just blended it differently than than jfa did and it's hard to compare those two bands because they're just so wildly different but i don't know man they just they're just a solid band they were a solid band i'm sure they're still great live um and i'd be so down to see them if they ever play i mean they play every every couple years from what it looks yeah. like. They play like little pop-ups and stuff and they just like yeah. randomly play. And I think they have a whole new lineup and everything, but Brian, Brian's still there. Brian and the guitar player, they're, they're the only, from what I was reading, they're the only members that have been consistent throughout the whole career. 
with that being said, I, I, I think this band is fucking great and great record. So I'm also going to have to give this a three out of three. It's perfect. Oh, I, don't, I don't do it very damn, often. Son. I don't do it often where I give a perfect three. But here I'm going to have to do it. It's a great fucking album. And I'm that, so stoked that, that I was introduced to it. So I, I, I also want to say that they do a fucking killer cover of the Peanut song. Yeah, the, oh, the yeah. I love that song. It's surfed out. It's punked out. It's fantastic, and apparently Brian, as of like 2013, has said he's never been sued. He has never had a cease and desist because he claims that in the original like vinyl, which I have, they credit Charles Schultz and and whoever wrote the song. Yeah, and so they like the label is always taking royalties out, but it's a fucking killer cover. What what EP is that on? It's from the Mad Gardens EP. Okay, is that on streaming sites? Like uh, no, it's not on Spotify. That's probably on YouTube. Because yeah. I'm really curious in hearing that. I'm really. Curious. I I have it on the vinyls. Oh, must be. Must it was, be like, it was a thirty dollar vinyl for four songs, <laughs> like fucking six minutes. This whole thing. I can't believe you bought that. <laughs> stupid. <laughs> I can't believe you fucking, fucking bought that. Stupid. Uh, why the fuck haven't they repressed this shit? I don't get it. Like, they could be making, like, a lot more money if they just repress their own fucking records. Dude, like, every one of their albums, their font is exactly the same size in the exact same position. Love it. (laughs) I do, too. This band is so rad. So, I mean, that's all I got to say about it. You got anything else on this? No, that's it. I'm done. I'm good. Okay. Well, thank you all for listening to the podcast. I hope some of the guys from JFA listen to this. That'd be fucking rad. Let us know. Uh, Let us know how much you hated it, if you hated it. Um... So, yeah, go to Apple Podcasts, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. And thank you all for listening to the pod. And that's it. That's all. Well, you haven't listened to it, so it's not a fair judgment. Well, I've never eaten poop, but I know it probably tastes awful. Well, you probably eaten poop. Um. (laughs) it was supposed to be like these rotating half bowls thing that could capture like the sun in arizona but that 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 dick that new dick vic didn't that new wow i can't speak the new dick dan i still can't do it this is a tough one dick van dyke show that's a tough (laughs) thing to say the new dick van dyke show say it fast Uh, dick van dyke no the The new new dick Dick van dyke Dyke show Uh, the new dick van dyke show you probably have written down or something